And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting to Niflheim, Svartalfheim, Olympus, throughout the nine worlds and beyond, the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin. You are tuned to the immortal sounds of... Radio Free Asgard. And hello everybody and welcome to Radio Free Asgard, episode number 259. My name is Tom Harris and we're coming at you, as we always do, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. So this week I don't have anything to talk about at the top of the show, reason for that being we are trying to get ahead again, uh, trying to get a week ahead like we were before the holidays and that way I don't have to worry so much about, you know, what, what if I can't be home at you know a certain time to record the show? Uh, yeah, it, it takes some of the pressure off and, and makes the show recording process a little more relaxed and a little bit less stressful rather than thinking I might get behind and not be able to put a show out this week. I don't like to do that to you folks. So anyway, uh, no, I know you guys don't care. And of course, this week we are covering the first Jerry Conway issue of Thor, which is a double size issue. So there are a lot of pages. But before we actually get started on this, I'm just going to run down like we did last time, just briefly what else was on the stands this month, just to give you a general idea of what was popular. We have uh, Adventure Comics 412, which is, this is the era where Supergirl was headlining Adventure, and every issue she had a different costume. I believe they were just trying to find a new look for her, and this this one involved gloves and boots that looked a lot like Superman's, and it was kind of a jumpsuit sort of thing. It didn't have a... Uh, like a skirt or anything, uh, no bare skin, so she's completely covered. Uh, I don't think it's the the worst costume we saw during this year. It has the the S shield on her belt, so yeah. So I didn't think it was that bad at all. We have ten different Archie titles. That's not including Little Jinx and Madhouse Glads, and of course we have about two or three Marvel copies of Archie titles because Marvel was doing that uh, a lot during this era as well. Uh, there's, of course, lots of um, licensed properties from Charlton and Gold Key, uh, you know, including Looney Tunes, the Bugaloos, Blondie, um, and, of course, everyone's favorite, Baby Snoots. Now, if you don't remember Baby Snoots, it was a really stupid comic about a baby elephant. And not a normal baby elephant, but you know, one that wore a diaper and everything. So, yeah, um, Baby Snoots. That's a character that everyone remembers fondly. Uh, we have Creepy number 42 from Warren. I guess not technically a comic book, but yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, looks like Daredevil is having some bad luck in uh, Daredevil uh, number 81. 81? Yeah, gosh, you wouldn't think so. Um, but this also features uh, the Black Widow, who I believe was just coming into the series at that point. Captain America and the Falcon, number 143. This is back when uh, the Falcon was in his original green outfit. So uh, he, he didn't have his, his flyingness yet and, and all that. A Johnny Romita cover there uh, looks, looks pretty interesting. Uh, any number of Casper and Harvey things. Yeah, of course, they're everywhere. Uh, we have, okay, so hot stuff. So he's, he's a devil, okay? So, of course, this is a great thing for kids to read. Uh, I mean, you know, not that I really care or anything, but so we have this, basically, he's a devil. He wears a diaper, and I don't know any other way to describe it. It is white. It has a pin on the side. It is a diaper. So hot stuff, apparently, is incontinent. 
Um, I, I guess, you know, otherwise they'd have to have him running around naked. But, you know, uh, yeah, a diaper? Really? What, you know, swim trunks or, uh, yeah, it, this is a diaper. So it just looks dumb. Um, we have uh, <laughs> uh, Marvel Spotlight number one came out this month, and that is the first appearance of Red Wolf. And this is the original Red Wolf, the Western hero uh, who was um, yeah Native American. And it's kind of a lame series, but it had beautiful, beautiful artwork inked by Wally Wood. Uh, we have a couple of freaky deaky Jack Kirby fourth world things. We got uh, Mr. Miracle number five, where Mr. Miracle is up against the murder machine. And then we also have Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Number 143, where they are up against the genocide spray. And uh, so this is a story about, according to the cover blurb, the smallest planet on Earth. Well, okay. If it's smaller than Candor, the bottle city, then I guess I'll, I'll have to give it a pass here. Um, surprising number of horror comics, considering the comics code really wasn't very... Uh, yeah, very uh, permissive during this point, but I guess people were, were reading these uh, Twilight Zone and Unexpected, and yeah, I, I remember those stories as being fairly lame. And a surprising number of romance comics. I mean, obviously somebody was buying them, because you know, you know, a lot of the uh, issue numbers are in the hundreds, so uh, apparently people actually bought the stuff. All right, so uh, because we have an issue of Thor to cover and it's a double-sized issue, we should just get on to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard Where the booming heavens roar You'll behold in breathless wonder The God of Thunder, mighty Thor And this week we are looking at the Mighty Thor number 193 has a November 1971 cover date. Cover artist by John Buscema, inked by John Romita, shows Thor. This is a piece of a picture of Thor that was used as clip art later in the 70s. I recognize it. Um, Thor whipping his hammer around, facing off against Duroc the Demolisher, and flying overhead. We have none other than the Silver Surfer, which would not be a surprise if uh, you. Uh, listen to the last episode. Um, it's an all-new 34-page super saga starring the Thunder God and the Silver Surfer. The title of the story is What Power Unleashed? And we open the splash page where we have the credits. Jerry Conway was the scripter. John and Sal Buscema were the artists. I told you, I knew something was going on here. Artie Simek was the letterer. Of course, Stan Lee was the editor. Uh, we are on the top of Mount Everest, which is where Balder and the Carnilla are. And it's green at the top of Mount Everest. So, it, yeah, it doesn't really look like the top of Mount Everest to me. Uh, you would think that there would be, you know, like dead climbers and all that stuff up there. <laughs> they make the top of Mount Everest look really, really tiny. It's just, just enough room for one person to stand. I, I understand it's a lot more room up there than that. Anyway, so Balder says, There, tis as I told you, Carnella. He hath seen the signal I sent, and he hath come. Tis the silver surfer thou hast summoned, Balder. He will do battle on the side of Thor. And uh, he comes down and... He says, Upon that windswept peak, two human forms. Are they the ones who called me from the cosmic path? No, the humans are too weak. 
and yet I sense something other than a human spirit here in present. Perhaps I judge them too rashly. Perhaps there is something the silver surfer may yet learn. Oh, the pain, the pain. What name have you who summoned me? I am called Balder the Brave. Presumptuous enough for a human. No humans we, but gods. And this day the gods need thine aid. My aid? I've sworn to aid your deceitful kind nevermore. Forget this useless ploy, Balder. Hush, my lady, I be pledged to serve thee, not speak words thou dost wish to hear. But a thousand miles distant, the thunder god doth battle Durok the Demolisher, battles for the fate of this world. No concern of mine. Once I bled for your kind, but no more. The surfer has given enough of his heart to heartless earthlings. Nay, thou dost not understand, and now, now Balder is throwing a temper tantrum. Thor is as a brother to me, and he doth fight a fight he cannot win. Thy evil Loki holds the Odin ring, and with it hath created a demon that cannot be destroyed. Thor will die, Thor for whom I would give my life. And Carnilla is upset by this. She goes, what? Thou still dost dare to call thy life thine own. Thine is a life already given, given in pledge to Carnilla. She who is the Norn Queen. And she casts a, a spell against a bunch of rocks, which knock uh, Balder down, covers him with rocks. For impudence such as this, Balder must be punished. And, and Balder's like, nay, Carnilla, nay. Ah! And Balder is covered with rocks. <laughs> and the surfer is like, woman, what have you done? That was a man you attacked, a man of feeling flesh, a man of burning blood. Remove those stones and pray he is not dead. Dare you threaten me? Mine is the power elemental. Against such as it, none may prevail. None. And she shoots an energy beam at the Silver Surfer, hits him in the chest with a zack, and it doesn't have any effect at all. Uh, the Surfer grabs Carnilla, and, and uh, she, it looks like she's trying to get away from him. The Silver Surfer bows to no female, to no queen. Remove those stones now. Yea, as thou dost ask, twill be done. And so Carnilla lifts all the stones off of uh, Balder, and she says, But, but wait, why lies that noble head so still? Well, you just covered him with a bunch of rocks, dude. <laughs> Silence, woman. Your unthinking violence all but killed him. Only the power cosmic may sustain him now. And she, she looks sad, and we get a close-up of her face. Killed him? What fool be this heart of mine, that rage should make me harm this god I truly love? Rise, Balder, you who are called brave. Rise and thank whatever gods gods pray to. To what end, says Balder? In my purpose I have failed, and by my failure Thor is doomed. Failed? No, you have succeeded, my friend. If this god can gain such loyal love, then the surfer can do no less than battle at his side. Where will I find this Durak the Demolisher? At the city called Washington, in the nation known as America. Oh, so <laughs> he lied. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so either Balder doesn't understand the concept of miles, or he was lying to the Silver Surfer. All right, because so he said it was a thousand miles distant. Uh, it's more like 10,000 miles distant, but anyway, all right. Then it is there I must go in greatest haste. At swiftest speed, says the surfer, and he sails off. Balder, my love. Hush, my lady. No words need be said, save that I understand. 
let us think instead of another man. He who rides the silver surfboard, he who flies to aid, think of him who gives of himself and receives in turn only pain. And the surfer flies to Washington. He gets there pretty quickly, apparently. Well, you know, parabolic arc and all that. He can be there pretty quick. And we see him flying over the uh, Capitol building and doesn't see any sign of uh, Duroc or Thor. But we do shift scenes to where Duroc and Thor are fighting. And uh, there's people running scared and lots of destruction. And the two of them are scrapping back and forth. And Duroc is definitely getting the better of Thor. He's got him by the neck. He's like wrapped a um, uh, light pole around his neck. And Thor is saying, "Does like a nightmare. Each blow I strike affects him not. Does not flesh that covers his bones. Does some mystic bread stone. Loki hath created the unbeatable foe. Yet I am Thor, and Thor shall not fall. And he shoots an energy blast out of his hammer, which knocks Duroc back temporarily. And... Uh, Thor gets the uh, light pole unwrapped from his neck. Odin, grant me a moment, just a moment to free myself. Nay, the creature moves, and he doth move without a word. By the Allfather, why doth he not speak? Well, maybe he just has nothing to say. Many foes have I fought, but none like this demon thing. Hath Loki in truth sealed my doom? I say thee nay. Thor is god of thunder, and though all the gods of Asgard bow to Loki's will, Thor will never bow. Never scrape. Never! And he whaps Demolisher with his hammer, throws him back, and... But what mystery be this? My blow could but scarcely fell him, yet he doth not rise to the attack. Nay, a fouler plan hath he. Loki gave him the will to destroy, and now he doth turn again to that task by lifting yonder building. And so he's gone over to, like, an apartment building, and there's people in all the windows... Uh, very much like a Jack Kirby comic. And he's trying to lift the building, and, you know, by some miracle, the building just isn't, you know, falling to, to bits like a building would. Tis my sacred duty to protect these children of Earth, and this doth Loki know. He seeks to weary me in endless battle. But I have my oath, and that oath must I ever obey. Duroc must fall. And he does the uh, you know, shockwave hitting the hammer on the ground thing with a choom. You would think that that would destroy the building that, that Duroc was, was holding. Uh, and it probably did. But we don't see that because Duroc has fallen into a hole in the ground. And it just happens to be a hole over a, a giant sewer pipe. So uh, he falls down into the uh, water. And then Thor jumps down and... He uh, says, the demon doth see me, and in his eyes there burns hate. Even as his hand doth reach to yonder cables, doth he remain silent. So uh, Duroc is uh, reaching towards these high-voltage cables. Apparently he's going to try to electrocute Thor by sticking them on the water, blah, blah, blah. He be cold and silent as stone. Loki hath made him cunning. Mine half-brother plays the creator well. Perhaps for Thor, too well. And so Thor is electrocuted by the wires being stuck in the water. And apparently Duroc is, is okay with this. And um, Thor falls and he's laying face down in the sewer. <laughs> and it says here, uh, Within the darkness, power crackles and rages, the only sound in an otherwise silent pit. Motionless, Duroc waits, waits for the inert figure to move but slightly so that the final blow may be struck. And from that, 
to the Silver Surfer is but an instant mental leap. And so we see the surfer, he sees the big hole in the ground with all the, I guess, smoke coming out with the, the electricity. And he says, there, beneath the torn roadway, a veritable storm of lucent energy. And within the one I seek, but hold, he seems as lifeless as was the one called Balder. Am I too late? Can a god die? And so, yeah, this has not been an easy issue for the gods, has it? Uh, anyway, so um, Surfer is kind of lowering himself down into the hole. Ho, oh, that brute must be the demolisher. And unless my eyes deceive my mind, when he sees me and seeing strikes, and Durok smashes the Surfer, sends him flying, uh, grabs him by the face, and is holding on him under the water. Now, you wouldn't think that would be much problem for the surfer because he doesn't need to breathe in space why would he need to breathe underwater anyway so uh, the surfer is lying quietly like somebody drowning it says like someone dead but that ain't happening because the surfer's surfboard comes flying from behind Durok smacks him in the back of the head with a giant thunk and knocks him down the uh, surfer flips thor over and uh, he's trying to trying to save him, and he says, A moment's spell of breath, yet will a moment be all I need. Thor is limp, I think unconscious, but no, there is no throb of life in his warrior's breast, no pulse in his muscled wrist. Can it be? Can a god truly perish? For if he can, then Thor is dead. And um, we then shift scenes to Asgard, and Loki and Sif. Fair Sif, the privilege of choice be thine no longer, for Thor is dead, and on this day, Loki is supreme. And we get a full-page splash here. Uh, we have Loki and Sif and a bunch of, like, trolls and goblins and giants are all kind of sitting around a table, and they're snarfing down food, and doesn't look like uh, Loki and Sif have anything to eat, but everyone else has got bones and stuff in front of them. Um, so yeah, it's this is a very Salbusema looking page. Uh, maybe maybe John did the layouts, and that could be, but the, all the faces are very much Sal. My lord, please, tis Thor who be my love, not thee. I beg you, reconsider thy demand. To what end, my love? Unlike my noble brother, I do know my mind. Always he hath delayed your day of wedding, but for Loki there shall be no delay. This eve, fair Sif, thy hand is mine. This eve shall we be wed. For who shall say us nay? Not Thor, not once great Odin. Even Balder the brave hath no leave to speak, and therein lies my power. Eh? Gone? Balder and Karnila gone? So this is the first he's heard that Balder and Carnell had gone, why wouldn't he have noticed during this whole dinner or whatever that they weren't there? So, okay, this is kind of lame. Tis blasphemy, most foul, that on this of all days I am betrayed. Wench, know you where they be? Nay, you'll not say. Thy loyalty forbids it. My word, Loki. My lord, Loki. Silence! I'll hear no more of lying words. Out, all of thee, Out! And the, the, he's throwing stuff around, and the giants are, you know, giants and goblins and all that are running away. He's like, he be mad. Run, run. Yea, and run far, false friends. 
lest thou feel the wrath that yet will rage the day. By my command, let the two appear. And he shoots a magical bolt at Odin's cosmic voyeuroscope, and we, he sees uh, Carnilla and Balder, and Balder is pointing at something, and Carnilla is standing behind him. Upon the screen, Mystic, I see the treacherous forms. From Balder, I expected such conspiracy behind my back. But from the Norn Queen as well, my soul doth cry with bitterness, bitterness most foul. Odin Ring, bring them before me now! And a bolt of magic comes out of the, uh, the Odin Ring, and Carnilla and Balder have been transported to Loki, and they are there reacting to this giant pink cloud explosion. Ha! Now speak and tell what thou hast conspired. My lord, tis almost innocent, says Carnilla. We merely watched Thor's cruel fall. Lies! Doth the brave Balder hide behind a female's flowing skirts? I have no secrets and no fear, vile one, says Balder. To earth I went to aid the noble Thor. So yours will be a reward most painful, lout. Loki, my lord, hast thou no mercy, says Sif. He but sought to help his friend, and for this thou wouldst punish him. Yea, for this and more he must pay. Stand ye back, my lovely, and witness the justice of Loki. And he shoots, uh, almost looks like gas out of his ring, but it just could just be like standard energy bolt, whatever. And hits Balder in the face. It's almost like he's being maced or pepper sprayed or something. And Balder's like, Arg! Now speak to me of mercy, woman, and compassion. Where be thy sympathy, thy bleeding soul? Look to Balder for comfort now, or him, or to me, will you go? And so we see that uh, Loki's uh, energy bolt spell, whatever, pepper spray, has changed Balder into a scaly green demon thing with pink eyes. Uh, so yeah, apparently just changed his appearance, but yeah. Anyway, so, so Balder's all ugly and scaly now. To Balder always, cruel lord. What matters outward countenance? Tis his spirit for which I care. A tragic ploy, my dear. Tragic and useless. Mine is the power over all. Mine is the power that controls. Look out yon window. The very air is mine to behold. All things be subject to my will. Mine. And over everything in heaven and earth. Tis Loki who be master. And he shoots a beam out of, of his ring, and it, it congeals into a giant gold statue of Loki. So, yeah, so he's proving his mastery of the air by making a statue. And all of this be so, because the Odin ring is mine. They did call me the god of mischief before, yet now their knees are bent in reverence. Tis fitting, most fitting. Still, a god must be merciful, methinks. Yea, merciful and kind. And above all, it must ne'er be said that Loki were not the best of gods. And he waves his hand in front of Scaly Balder's face, and uh, Scaly Balder's face all melts away, and, and it turns back into Balder's regular face. So he says, Arise, Balder! Loki hath forgiven you in his most infinite wisdom. Arise and fight me no more! And he then turns his attentions back to Sif. 
Dost thou see, milady? Thy hand of Loki can be most gentle. Eternity with him shall be most sweet. And Sif says, And gentle Loki, what of Thor? What of Thor? And speaking of Thor, we've shifted back to the sewer where the Silver Surfer is trying to revive Thor. And he says, He moves not. Life still smolders within his breast. I know it. I know it. That I must do as I did for the one called Balder. I must bring bare my fullest force. Once more this hour my brain does fire and the cosmic power roars. And he starts glowing all, you know, it's not really Kirby Crackle as such, but, you know, big uh, yellow and orange and red and magenta and purple explosion sort of thing. And Thor is uh, conscious again, is back alive again, I guess. And he's like, careful, lean on me, my friend, says the surfer. Lean. Wait, I know those burnished features. The silver surfer, here? The how and why do not matter, Thunder God. It was I who saved you. I whose board holds Durok at bay. So, yeah, so we see that the uh, surfboard has got Durok by the neck and is, is pinning him against the wall. Durok is trying to break free, but apparently he's not doing that well. Look at him. Against all sanity, he still battles. What manner of creature is he? No living creature he, says Thor, but a construct of Lord Loki's stolen ring. His sole purpose is to battle. To battle and destroy. For in truth he doth be indeed Durok the Demolisher. And the caption says that at the sound of his name, the creature snarls, his body twisting with renewed effort. Effort most futile, it seems. And um, he ended up breaking his way backwards through the uh, the tunnel. So he's uh, kind of broken out of the sewer. Um, and the surfboard has just kind of carried him backward. Gone! He is mad! He is mad, says the surfer. Nay, he is what he is. He can be no more. But what dost thou do now? Mine is the fight, Thunder God. Your duty lies elsewhere now against your half-brother in Asgard. Leave me, Thor. The surfer will prevail. Yea, now I be truly freed, says Thor. Till thou came I was bound by my oath. But now Thor meets Loki. And from that meeting, the fate of Asgard, and yea, the fate of the universe as well, will needs be told. And he whips his hammer around, takes off in a white puff o smoke rather than a white tornado. And he takes off like a comet towards Asgard. And we see him arriving on the Rainbow Bridge in Kirby's space. And Heimdall! Yeah, we haven't seen Heimdall for a while. Heimdall is there, and he says, Against the ebon sky, a streak of golden light. Tis the moment I have dreaded when Heimdall must strike against Thor. And Thor lands on the uh, bridge in front of of Heimdall, and Heimdall says, Ho, Thunder God, if friends we are to remain, hold thy pace, and step not upon the rainbow bridge. What words are these, Watchkeeper? Words most painful, Thor. By the power of his Odin ring, Loki hast ordered all of Asgard to arm against thee. And what of thee, bold Heimdall? Though it doth cause me agony, I must obey my new liege. He holds the Odin ring, and thus his word be law. Then we must be enemies sworn, says Thor. If so, I must attack, says Heimdall. Heimdall, I say thee nay. Thou hast been almost a brother to me. Yet if it is battle you wish, then tis battle you'll gain. And there are two of them are kind of scrapping a little bit. And 
Thor whips Mjolnir at him, and it's it's whirling around his feet, kind of tripping him up. It moves like a demon whirlwind, says Heimdall. Yea, for such is the sacred metal Uru. Now doth it send thee from my sight, thee who were my friend and sought to be my betrayer. To my hand doth the mallet return, and to his doom doth Heimdall fall. But hold, what madness be this that fills my veins? I become like Loki, letting rage steal the very sanity from my mind. Is this how the thunder god will end, no better than his enemies? And Heimdall, in the meantime, has been knocked off the rainbow bridge, and he is falling, falling, falling through Kirby's space. And Thor's like, never! Not for this did I earn the mystic Mjolnir. Not for this have I braved a thousand thousand battles. Though all do seek to slay me, the thunder god must his mercy retain. And he whips his hammer around, goes flying down off the rainbow bridge, finds Heimdall, brings him back. And he says, fear not, bold Heimdall. This be no attack, but a saving. Beyond all else, thou art my friend. Forgive me, lord. But I did what I had to do, says Heimdall. Forgiven, friend, these are truly harsh days. When friend fights friend, the foe of all doth rule in the palace royal. Yet soon Loki will rule no more, or Thor be dead. And Thor goes off towards the castle, and he doesn't get very far before there are these three enormous giants, those big storm giants, blocking his path. And they're they're very inconsistent about the size of giants in these comics, and th- th- these are really, really, really big. So you really don't know what they're standing on, or or how they can move around Asgard without knocking over all the buildings. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> brothers, upon yonder silver roadway, I see a groveling gnat. Aye, and what a bug, my brothers! Looky upon him, do you not see, lords? "'Twas a benevolent god that brought us here "'to strike down the son of hated Odin, Thor. "'Fates, Heimdall, do mine eyes deceive me? "'Tis all true, my lord. "'Loki hath armed all, all against thee. "'And we shift back to Earth, "'where we have the surfer fighting Durok, "'and Durok is coming after uh, the surfer "'back through the wall of the tunnel. "'Hold that pose, bestial one. "'You'll do well to resist any futile thoughts of attack.' But no, I see it in your eyes, that same look I've ever been greeted with, a look of hate, born of blind, raging fear. And now he strikes, and uh, Durak smashes the surfer with a thoom and knocks him down. Never have I felt such strength in the body of a mortal, and yet in truth is he mortal, or something far, far more? My mind whirls. Perhaps a new tack is needed, the tangential to the use of force, and he jumps on his surfboard, which is kind of floating there in the sewer. Durak has grabbed the front of it, and the surfer says, Yes, there stands the path to victory, and victory I'll attain if I survive this renewed attack. Brilliant brute, take strong hold of this, my silver board. Take strong hold indeed. And the two of them go blasting upward into the sky, and now, really, it's kind of the surfer's uh, game here. Now the game is mine to guide. The element is mine, and so is the power. And apparently Durak is snarling, because the surfer says, Snarl all you wish, man-beast. It will bring you not. I've a plan aboarding, one which will remove you from this all-too-mortal sphere. Remove you for all eternity. 
and he flies a little bit too close to the Washington Monument, and Duroc grabs the Washington Monument and gets pulled off the uh, surfboard. He's sliding down into, you know, sliding down to the ground, I guess, and the surfer says, No, his fingers tear the very stone. He has found his means of survival, while I have mine. I must maintain the state of calm, and thus use his own strength against him. He's, uh, he calls the surfboard to him, saves him. And at this point, Duroc is now on the ground, and he's shooting fire, like fire, out of his hands now, which is not something we've seen him do before. So this is new. Uh, so he's shooting these energy blasts, and things are exploding. A lot of people around. They're all running and screaming, of course. But will I have that chance? He returns again to destruction with single unswerving and mindless purpose. Then I must attack, says the surfer. Though they hate me, the humans must not be destroyed. And the surfer shoots a energy beam at Duroc's crotch. At least that's what it looks like from the picture. And there's the, the sound effect is kiss. <laughs> okay. And there's a big explosion of, of rocks and, and grass and turf. Strikes the surfer. Uh, knocks the surfer off his board. And as he's unbalanced, uh, Duroc is blasting him with his energy beams out of his hands. He knocks the surfer down, and, and the surfer is stunned at least. And Duroc has a hold of the surfer's board, and he starts to bend it over his knee. So he's bending and bending and bending the board, and the, and the board is bending. So, you know, he's, this, this is pretty, pretty impressive stuff here. A trap walled by duty and blocked by reality. Against the greater force, they must fall. For against that force they fight, because of duty, because of obligation. And when the noble fall, the base remain. The base whose only purpose is the corruption of what the noble did protect. Whose only purpose is to destroy. To destroy and destroy and destroy! And Duroc bends the, uh, the surfer's board all the way in half, and it just shatters with this huge explosion. And so the Silver Surfer's board is just smashed to pieces. And the uh, Demolisher just kind of wanders off. And the Surfer's is lying there uh, with a aghast look on his face. But then he decides uh, the noble, who even when fallen, retained a vestige of strength. For theirs is a strength born of things other than mere force. Theirs is a strength supreme. Theirs is the strength to restore. And he shoots uh, beams out of his eyes which strike the pieces of the board. All the pieces come flying together, and the board is restored back in one piece. So that was easy. To me, most faithful of friends, says the surfer, the time for planning is past, and though now it pains me, the pain, the pain, it is time for the deeds of the surfer to speak. Below, the ragings of energy unleashed. Ah, oh, now it becomes clear. The humans seek to battle Duroc, and as always, their actions are most futile. For Duroc holds them off with but the wave of his simmering hand. So that now the play is set. The actors must take their places. The curtain is duly drawn and the drama penultimately unfolds. And um, so the surfer is, uh, he swoops down and there's, there's ar like army soldiers and they're trying to, to fight Duroc. But uh, the surfer's kind of ignoring all of them. And he smashes into Duroc on a surfboard again. Uh, Duroc is grabbed onto the surfboard and, and is being carried by it away. Surfer's flying up into the sky and he's flying faster and faster. And of course, during all this, the surfer is monologuing, as you do. His silence is unsettling. Almost I feel as though I battle a rock and not a breathing living thing. 
But what matter such esoteric concerns? Though we struggle each for mastery, soon it will all cease to have meaning. Soon there shall be only one answer, only one survivor. Even now my board moves ever faster at my mental command, faster till we break from the very bond of gravity. Now we orbit yon mud-balled globe, orbit until the very fabric of ether and space is torn. So he's basically doing the... Um, the Superman flying around the world to turn back time or to move forward in time thing now. And he uh, sounds torn! And they find themselves in a uh, weird Ditko-looking space. And I guess this is supposed to be the far future. Let's just read the captions here. Now all the words are lost. Swept apart by the twistings of time and space, curling back upon themselves as the surfer guides his gleaming board forward. Forward through the layers of past and present to the future, the far contorted form of the future. Something holds his throat, something constrains his words. All he can do is watch and see what the humans have wrought for themselves on some distant day. So the entire world, the future world, is just all destroyed and and uh, everything's all ruined. And uh, you would think that this would be a bad idea, but he kicks the Turok off his board and traps him in the future. It says, uh, The air is foul, burdened by the heavier, unhealthy gases. The sky is dark, as though the day has already come to dusk. And yet the surfer knows that it's only shortly past dawn. The dawn of a day long dead. The dawn of Earth's end. All of this is the residue of a century-old battle. What became of man I do not know or care. Here will Durak stay. It is only fitting that a monster created to destroy should remain with the products of destruction forever. And the surfer goes flying off, leaving Durak in the far future. Now, nothing bad can ever happen there, can it? And he, he did say that there was only going to be one survivor, but he lied. So, anyway. <laughs> so we shift back to Thor in Asgard. He's fighting against these giants. He's still... still battle going on and they're banging back and forth they're trying to crush him he's dodging he's whipping his hammer at them smashing them long hath the fighting lasted and now my muscles seem truly heavy with weariness but i am the son of odin and though my body pleads for rest till enemies are dispatched i will not sleep for odin for asgard and he chunks his hammer at one of them hits in the head with a chunk so doth one fall yet still there be many Still must I battle to my lady's side. Make no careful plans, little one. This day you'll end at the spear of Kagor the Tall. Yeah, there's a name we've heard over and over again over the years, isn't there? Many thanks for your name, fat one. For now I do know whose soul to commend to Hela. And again, he, he whacks him in the head with, with his hammer with a thunk and a crack. And... Yeah, uh, so that's the end of that giant. And just as that happens, a giant dagger comes and catches Thor by his cape and pins him to a pillar. And it says, Flee! The sight of you is an insult to our eyes. I think I shall crush you. Yes, crush you like the puny insect you are. And he grabs Thor in his hand and is, is crushing him. That's it, Ant. Squirm. Now do you see what your true place be? You are nothing, nothing. And he he opens his hand. He's he's kind of hammering Thor with his fist in his hand, and uh, Thor jumps aside at the last second. He says, "If that be so, I still be more than thee. Our war hath spanned a thousand centuries. 
Twice again a millennium hath passed while our peoples fought, and to what purpose? In the end all be the same, the very same. And Thor is shooting a giant beam out of his hammer and smashes down the last of the giants, and he says, all be the same, for all be dead. All, all dead. Well do I see the evil Loki's plan. He seeks to exhaust me with endless battle, and he hath all but succeeded. Every movement be a strain to my shoulders, every step an agony to my calves. Yet I must carry on, for am I not the last of Asgard's true defenders? Is not my hand the only one lifted against Loki's law? Yea, I be a rebel in my own father's house, a rebel, for none will stand beside me. And now I have had enough! And he punches through the uh, the door of Loki's chamber with a throom! Let him face me! Let him pit his strength against mine! Loki! If there be a manly bone within thee, Thor demands! And he sees that Loki is not there, but we get a full-page spread here of the Lady Sif, and she is dressed in a very slinky white outfit. Uh, not exactly what I would call a wedding dress, but I gather that's what it's supposed to be. And there are three other beautiful women in there with her, um, with you know all of them having like big hair and stuff. My Lady Sif, what new nightmare be this? My mind be whelmed by a dream. My Lord Thor, my Lord, I pray thou wouldst not find me so. My prayers were spent in vain. And one of the other girls is like, "'Tis true, tis he, and in his eyes. My lady, he comes toward you. His eyes, his eyes. His eyes show love, princely love. Hold me, noble Thor. Take not your arms away. Hold me. Let me rest in thy strength. Enough. Tell me what this means. Bridal gown thou wearest. Yea, for I am to be mad Loki's bride. And a voice comes from behind. Mad? What word is this for a bride to use? Ah, now it all becomes clear. The renegade hath returned. Shall we take him, master? Says one of the trolls. Yea, sick thy dogs upon me, foul brother. I'll fight them all and more before I let thy hand touch hers. This day hath been hard. Yet still Thor's hand be fresh to fight thee. For all thou hast done, for all thou hast yet to do. With hammer in hand, Thor will fight. Then must the hammer be removed, rebel, and thee with it. And the array shoots out of the Odin ring with a zzzz. And it strikes Thor and knocks him through the floor. And apparently his hammer is gone too, though that's not really clear. Much there be that thou art ignorant of, brother. A new order exists in this, the universe. Hereafter only one word lives, and that be Loki's word. Thou hast shown thy colors, rebel. Thou hast threatened the one true law, and by the power of the Odin Ring I sentence thee to death. Death! And Sim's like, my lord, no! Fair Sif, thou criest too late. His hammer gone, in but a minute Thor becomes mortal once more, and by then twill all be done. You and all of Asgard will be completely mine. Loki will be truly supreme. And we, the last thing we see, a bunch of giants hammering on Thor, who's just kind of laying there on the ground. Next issue, 
A Cry of Thunder, and that is store number 192. We will be talking about this issue right after this message. The Fantastic Arse is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics in 1961 onwards. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover every issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo, and more. And in 2015, we begin our journey through the decade that taste forgot, the 1970s. Join us as we take a look at... The departure of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. The Kree Skrull War. The arrival of Marvel Team-Up. Bill Murray as the Human Torch. Creators including Roy Thomas, George Perez, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, Rich Buckler and John Byrne. And of course, Marvel 2-in-1. All this and more at ffcast.libsyn.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. The Fantastic Cast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? And we're back, and of course we have a few things to say about the issue, as we always do. First of all, I think that that Jerry Conway is off to a good start. I will say that he kind of inherited a shitty story, and kind of like Jack Kirby, kind of left in the middle of a story, and then we had to have other people, notably Neil Adams, had to come in and, and continue on with it. We kind of have the same situation here with Stan. And I think that Conway... He's off to a promising start. This still isn't a good story. It's still not a terrific story, but he is just kind of playing in the sandbox that he was left in. Bringing the surfer in, it seems very contrived, and I have a feeling that that was probably an idea that that Stan gave. like, and then the the silver surfer can come in and save everyone, you know. Um, And that, that seems to be the case here. Don't know for sure. Yeah, I guess the only people who know for sure are... uh, you know, Jerry Conway and Stan and you know, a few other people who may have been around. Um, so the story, again, it's a lot of it is fighty McFightenstein. There really isn't much other than, oh, let's you know fight here and this is what's happening here. And this is what, you know, there's uh, not a lot of there there. It is still a very basic story. What little bits of plot we have, they're okay. I think that, that Conway actually has a, a knack for dialogue. His dialogue is easier for me to act out than Stan's in a lot of cases. So, I mean, I, from that point of view, I think it, it's actually, it flows a little bit better. So there are things I like about it. And we'll see how Jerry grows into this role as we go on. Because after, after all, you know, this is all kind of new territory once this story is done. And um, yeah. So uh, art, uh, I have to say, art, generally speaking, is very poor. There's some highlights. All of the the, uh, single-page spread, all the splashes that we have, they're all quite good. Uh, You can definitely see Sal's influence on all of this. And it looks like Sal is the one who did most of these big spread pages. My guess is that that Buscema, that the John Buscema, did basically very rough layouts, but they're still looking really sketchy. And and obviously Sal is doing the inks. The, the Surfer throughout looks looks okay. Balder and Carnella throughout look okay. There there's some pages that are actually really nice, uh, but you can tell that this was done in a hurry. And 
and uh, what's interesting is that okay, this this actually came out the same week as Thor Annual number four, and Thor Annual number four was all reprints, so we're not going to be covering that because we've already covered those stories. Why did they do a double length issue? My theory about this is that this was originally supposed to be the contents of Annual number four. And that's why they did this this whole big double-page thing. The Surfer appearing in any Marvel comic during this era was really kind of a special event. Was, you have to remember the Silver Surfer was kind of held in reserve for special occasions during this era. And this, honestly, is not really a special occasion, is it? This could have been really kind of any superhero from Iron Man to Spider-Man. But... Again, you know, it's it's the Surfer, and the Surfer is, of course, one of the more powerful characters in the Marvel Universe, but, you know, they could have just as easily had the Thing be that character, you know. It really doesn't make a lot of sense. Why the Surfer? Don't know. Uh, my guess is that, like I said, it's Stan's idea to just have the, the Surfer come in and save everyone. So why a double-sides issue? Like I said, don't know, and I think it has something to do with uh, the annual all right, I guess that's about it for this issue. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just look for us there and you will find us. Uh, just a real quick shout out to the newest member of the Radio Free Asgard Facebook group. It would be Kamil Wojtla. As I think I'm pronouncing that right, I think I, uh, I'm probably really, really massacring it. Kamil being the a real mystery man. It was hard to tell whether he was a real person or not <laughs> until I actually spoke to him and then realized that he was. Anyway, so, uh, so welcome to uh, Kamil. And uh, you know, if you have anything to say to us, Kamil, just feel free to join in the discussion. We're always happy to have your input. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge Back to Midgard and back to the job hunt. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. You have been listening to Radio Free Asgard, a production of Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The Mighty Thor and all associated characters are mostly copyright Marvel Comics. The stories presented are done so for educational, review, and entertainment purposes only. No ownership is implied. The silly voices, however, well, they're all me. Musical selections from Eden, the invincible sword of the Elfsmith, are copyright Mott's Vent and are used with permission. If you like what you've heard on the show, we hope you'll leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, or even join our Facebook group. We really love hearing from our listeners, and we appreciate all of your support. Thanks once again very much for listening to Radio Free Asgard.